this sermon is titled Be Dressed in Readiness. Be enriched as you listen. All right. Are we ready for our message today? Yes. Okay. I have titled the message for today as Be Dressed in Readiness. Be Dressed in Readiness. You know, I wonder how many of you have at least this one family member before going for a trip will ensure that bags are packed at least some a week, some two days, three days, a day ahead. Do we all have family members like that? Okay, I can already see. Maybe you're one of them. Right? There is a sense of being prepared into a journey. Or for me, it is even after having left exams way back, I still have these dreams of being unprepared for an exam. And usually it's a math or a physics exam. And I wake up with a jolt and I say, thank you, Jesus, that I, it's not there. And if you've had that, ah, okay. All right. So I'm going to be talking about a different kind of readiness today that needs our attention. No matter how you and I prepare in our current lives, this calls for a serious consideration, okay? To be dressed in readiness. So we are just a few days from celebrating Christmas. And yet, we are also in the season of the last days that we are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. So we are in a, you know, we are sandwiched between two events. The first coming, the ascension of Jesus, and the second coming of Jesus. And we all know, all of us who are believers, who've known the word, who've been in church for years, know that the second coming of the Lord is imminent. It is going to happen. That's what scripture says. It is imminent. And preparing for Christmas reminds us how much more we need to prepare for the second coming of Jesus. Do you think so? Yes. So this period that you and I are waiting is not a passive period. It's an active period. You know, unlike my dream, which is a fantasy, this is reality. How much ever we may negate it, it is reality. So you and I are called every moment of our lives to persevere and to overcome whatever, we, whatever comes through and make ourselves ready for his coming. So the word today is not about how to discern the end times, but rather it is to look at what our response should be about his coming. So for all of us who know Jesus as our personal savior, we need to, uh, we all have this, you know, we're all hoping and waiting for this event. Why? Because, you know, scripture says that all will encounter and experience the second coming of Jesus. All. Everyone, every eye will see it. We hope for it because it's the culmination of our salvation. And because it is the fulfillment of the promise of his coming kingdom. And that's why we hope and wait for it. So to, uh, to bring about uh, my message today, uh, I'd like to highlight this opening verse which is in Luke 12, 35 to 37. Luke 12, 35 to 37. And I'm going to read that out for you. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Be dressed in readiness. Maybe some of you have it 
um, differently in your versions. It's probably written as, let your waist be girded or let your loins be girded. So what does this girding mean? Girding is to mean that you are preparing to tackle for a difficult situation. You know, for those of you who are in Kerala and have the, the men who wear the munda, right? You can't run with the long munda, right? So you have a flip of the leg and then they tie it. What are they doing? They are getting ready to tackle a situation. It doesn't have to be a physical feat. It just has to be something verbal, but they will still do it, right? So girding the loins means we are to be prepared in every way possible. That is to be active, to be diligent, and to make sure that every hindrance around you is removed out of the way so you can be ready. Ready for what? In our case, girding our loins is to be ready for his coming and to be ready for his service. So just as you and I are called to be prepared, we are also asked to take heed. We're given a warning. It says, take heed. And let me read a scripture for you. Luke 21, 34, it says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. So we are all not just needing to be prepared, we are also called to take heed. What does take heed mean? It says, be cautious, be alert, and to do what? To not be weighed down or too occupied by the burdens of this world or of the cares of this world, or not to be occupied by indulging in pleasures that, that um, uh, stir up the self. So that's what we call it. says, take heed. And you know, we, we all understand that often we lose sight of that. We lose uh, our focus, and we get easily distracted by things about things around the world. And this is even for us as believers. So God's, Jesus saying, take heed. Why? You know, Jesus talks about this and he says, the days, the last days are like the days of Noah with no one paying heed, no one paying attention. So he pulls that out and he says, take heed. So as a true believer... As true believers, you and I are to live in the alertness of his coming. We are to live knowing that his return is imminent and we need to prepare for this coming. So we also need to take heed so that we are not ashamed. We don't have our heads low, down, bowed down before his coming. And 1 John 2, 28 says, and now... Little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So he wants you to prepare. He wants you to take heed. And he wants you to be confident. You know, not in shame, not in embarrassment when he comes. Take heed and be prepared and stay in confidence. So let's take a quick stock of this. When we're saying being confident, let's take a quick stock of this. And as I'm saying this, I'd, I'd want to specify just maybe two areas. There may be many more, but specifically two areas when we're looking at preparation. The first is to really examine what you do with your time and your talents or your gifting and your calling. What is it that you do with it? God has given each one of us the same amount of time. He has given each one of us, endowed each one of us with a specific gift and a calling. And, you know, if you can sit here, step back, ask yourself, how much of time are you truly giving to the things of God? As against maybe your career, maybe your relationships, maybe making money, maybe entertainment, maybe leisure. How much of time do you spend in the things of God? 
How much of time are you putting into kingdom purposes? It could be just sharing God's word with somebody. It could be just praying with someone. It could be just showing the love and the power of God to somebody. So examine that and ask yourself, how much, what am I doing with, with this? What is the balance that comes out in your life? Now, God has given each of us this, these spiritual gifts, and it, and it says so in 1 Corinthians 12. God's kingdom needs your time, it needs your talents, it needs your calling. And that's why it's there, for you to be able to be put to put it in good use. So reflect upon this and root out all of that, maybe that laziness or any of that, and re-energize yourself and say, how much of time and how much of my talents can I use for God and for his coming kingdom? The next stock that we'd like to take is examine what is in your heart, what you are sowing in your heart. And I want to refer to a scripture in Hosea 10, verse 12. It says, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. So the truth is, whatever you sow, that's what you will reap. Whatever you sow in your heart, that's what you'll reap. You sow in righteousness, you reap mercy, you reap love, you reap faith. You sow something else, you're not going to get the same result. You're going to get something else. Quite a principle in gardening in itself. So it says, what are you sowing to yourself? If you sow in the right things, only the right things will come up. It says, break your fallow ground. What does this mean? You know, it means not to sow among the thorns that are there. It means to plow it, you know. What does the farmer do? He ensures that he plows the ground so that everything that is there within can come out, right, for, for enough of space to put in fresh things. So sow out, plow out your evil habits Plow out things or, or the heart that's filled with the weeds so that you can have place to prepare for his righteousness. So some questions that you and I can consider as we examine this is looking within to see if there is any unresolved or unconfessed sin. Looking at our relationships to see if there is any place for reconciliation looking at our hearts of disobedience. So examine, take stock of it right now. Because unless we take stock, we can't prepare ourselves, right? We've got to ensure that we have... <coughs> Sorry. We've got to ensure that we, we, have a, we have a clear, fertile soil to till in. So examine yourself before we look into being prepared. Amen? Are you all with me? Yes? Okay, so how can we be dressed in readiness? So how do we look towards the establishment of his coming kingdom while we are still going through this very life? You know, we live in a, in a very, in a godless society. We live uh, in, in a time where there is so much that vies for our attention and I, our interests. So what do we do? How do we keep ourselves ready? So I have specifically six points. So you can count it and say, okay, she's going to soon finish. Okay, six points. And I think each one tops the other. Okay, so the sixth one is the best one. So wait for the last one. Don't sleep. The first one, be expectant. Be expectant. If you've seen a young mother, I mean, young to be mother, you know, uh, they are expectant. You, you speak to a young couple who I just saw outside and there's so much of joy on their faces. You know, they are expectant because they're waiting for something. How are we expectant for the waiting of his second coming? You know, when Jesus was born, 
He came to a people who were expecting God to send a savior. There was a general expectation in Israel that the Messiah would come. One day fulfill those prophecies, the Messiah would come. And Luke gives us an account of two believers. Quiz time. Anybody knows? Wonderful. I don't have a five star to give you, but... Yes, Simeon and Anna. They were eagerly expecting the coming of the Messiah. They were always living in expectation for that, for that salvation of Israel. They waited and they watched, you know, and scripture shows that both of them were well past their years. They were elderly. You, we read of Simeon that when he saw Jesus, he says he knew that God would keep his promise because God had told him by the power of the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die till he sees the Messiah. So he was expecting, you know, how many of us above 60 years expect, above 80 years expect that God is going to do something. We see Anna, and Anna, it, you know, it reads that she was one who never left the temple, but day and night was serving and kept worshiping the Lord. She was expecting, and after that, after she got to know that, she went around telling everyone she knew about the redemption of Israel. Be expectant. So like Simeon and Anna, in our day-to-day, -day, you and I need to cultivate an expectant heart. We need to be looking forward to this. Now, how do we do this? We do this by believing God for his promises. And where do you read about his promises? In his word. So the more that you, the, the, the time that you take in reading his word, spending in prayer makes you expectant. You look ahead expectantly when you, you read his word. So cultivate an expectant heart by standing on the promise of his coming. Cultivate an expectant heart by standing on the promises of coming. So be expectant. It can be today. It can be now. It can be. So be expectant. Let's look at the second thing. It is to be hopeful. To be hopeful. You know, as we journey through life, you know, we need a lot of hope as we are at this side of eternity, isn't it? Yeah? Okay. And remember, this hope that we are talking about is not wishful thinking or, you know, like this finger cross hope. Like you know, in school, we have all four fingers. I mean, you cross everything and say, I'm hoping. It's not that kind of a hope. The hope that we have is an eager and a confident expectation of things to come. It is the full assurance. So it's, we know for sure that there is a hope for us. Now, what is the context of being hopeful? Let me read scripture for you. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and ex eternal weight of glory, while we, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we all go through life with many afflictions. Maybe there's something that you're going through right now, and you know what I'm talking about. And you keep asking yourself, when will this end? How long is it going to be? But scripture shows us that we have a living hope, a hope that is alive and active. So when you're faced with the challenges of life, it can be a sickness, it can be a trauma, it can be a lack, it can be difficulties in being with people, it can be many, many things. It takes its shape and form in many things. For students, it may be exams. 
I remember when I was in the 10th standard, I was sure that the Lord would come before I did my ICSE. And I think my children also used to say that. I said, okay, be expectant. But we all go through things in life. And what does Jesus promise? Jesus promised that he will come back to bring justice and mercy, to take away all sin, eradicate all wickedness, and unite us with God. You know, Philippians 3.20 says something very encouraging. It says that our citizenship is in heaven. Your residency, your permanent residency is not here. In fact, Peter says, you know, you are sojourners. You are pilgrims. You are temporary residents. This is just like a passing through. It's like, you know, when you go on the train, you pass through Kuppam and you go somewhere else, right? That's exactly what it is. It is just a passing through. And when the heat is on, this is what we need to remember, that this is only a passing by. And this is not the end. We have a living hope. Like I said, this living hope is not the finger-crossing hope. This living hope is anchored in Jesus. This living hope that we have is because of what Jesus has done for us. This hope originates from our living and resurrected Savior in the person of Jesus. So all our hope is rooted and guaranteed and accomplished in Jesus Christ. Amen? So the next time, whatever struggles you're going through, remember that this is not going to last forever. I keep telling this to myself every time I'm in the kitchen, washing those dishes over and over. I said, this will not last forever. I have a living hope. So keep your home in times of affliction rooted and anchored on the living hope of Jesus Christ. Amen? Keep your hope in times of afflictions rooted and anchored on the living hope of Jesus Christ. Let's move to the next one. Next one is to be watchful. Be watchful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 to 8 says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation." It gives you two verbs here. It says, be watchful and sober. Okay. What does watchful mean? To ensure that you are alert and awake. And sober means to have the soundness of thought. As against being intoxicated or inebriated. Now, this word sounds... Um, very akin to alcohol, right? Yeah? Okay. So you're either sober or you're intoxicated. So it's saying, uh, it doesn't say, I mean, it's not asking you, I mean, it, it doesn't, it's not talking about alcohol here, but it's saying our sobriety is spiritual in nature. Our sobriety is spiritual in nature, which means you live in faith, staying on the hope of Jesus' return and not being intoxicated by the sin of the world or the faithlessness or the hard-heartedness of what we see in the world. Be sober. Don't be intoxicated by what, by what you see around. So be careful not to be led astray by the things of the world, but by putting your faith in him and in the coming salvation. So why are we called to be watchful? We have that answer in 1 Thessalonians 5.9, which I read. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us 
that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Because of what Jesus did for you and me, he has destined us to eternal life, not to punishment, not to wrath. It says he did not appoint us to wrath. So we need, as Jesus' disciples, to be watchful and alert so that we are not easily distracted by the needs and desires of our carnal nature. You know, when we take our eyes off Jesus, we are often, you know, our values shift, our attention, you know, keeps, keeps going all over, and we find ourselves living just like those of the world. So be watchful. So what kind of a person should you be when you are being watchful? 2 Peter 3.14 says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and be blameless. So how should you, you and I be living as we are watching? We remember that one day we need to give our account to God. There will come a time that we are going to be asked about what we did with what, with what was given to us. We need to, be, to give that account, and we should be found righteous. And that's exactly what this is about, the sermon's about, is to being watchful. So how do you, uh, how do you watch out for things of the world is when you have the mind of Christ. You know, over years, we keep hearing this. We keep, we are, we are pumped in with so much of um, a revelation of the mind of Christ. We need to be watchful having the mind of Christ. So in order to have this mind of Christ, we first of all must have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Because after salvation, you know, you and I as a believer, we live under the influence of God. And when the Holy Spirit indwells in us, when he fills us with his wisdom, we begin to have the mind of Christ. And as we yield to him, day after, day after, as we yield to him, we allow the Spirit to transform us. So even as you're going through, you know, things of the world, but whatever you're seeing around, when you yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, he's the one who begins to transform your desires and, and your likes and your wants. He continues to do that. So many things in this world may be weighing for our attention. It may be to have a name. It may be to have something, you know, uh, uh, to have money. Now, none of this is bad of itself. But if it isn't put in order, if it isn't in place, you know, our accomplishments, if it isn't in place, and if these are the things that defines who we are, we are in a difficult spot. So putting on the mind of Christ is to reorient ourselves to the truth of who we are in him, our identity in him, that everything comes as a result from him. So be alert to not be led astray by the things of the world. And how do you do that? Put on the mind of Christ. Once again, be alert to not be led astray by the things of the world. Put on the mind of Christ. So we've come to the third. We go to the fourth one, halfway through. Be faithful. Be faithful. Now, God has a call on each one of our lives. He's appointed us for something that we should fulfill up until the day you die or up until the, the day that he comes back. He's appointed each one of you with something. If you have a question, I'm erasing that question and saying you do have a purpose. You do have a calling, every one of us. And scripture says that in Matthew 24, 45 to 46, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good 
for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. So if he were to come, we should be faithful in doing what he has called us to do. So as believers, we are to follow through on what the Lord has given each one of us to do. You know, Paul talks about it and he says, run your race and receive that crown of righteousness. So each one of our lives is a unique contribution to preparing the way for the Lord. So whatever you may be doing, you can extend God's kingdom in whatever sphere of life that you may be, you may be in. You and I are called to be faithful in our calling or in our assignments, whatever they may be. For those of you who are students, you have an assignment right now. Maybe it's just to fulfill and finish your exams, but that's an assignment that God has for you so that he can push you into the next step. So be faithful in that. Or it may be a housewife. It's just being faithful in ensuring that your family may be provided for. God has, God has a calling for you, even in an area like that. Or it may be in a workplace. You may be in a, in, in a, um, in a good position. God has called you there, placed you there for an assignment. And I think for most of all, each of us are called to be ministers of God. Each of us. And we are called to show his love, to show his power, to show his mercy and kindness to those around us. And that's what our assignment also is. So we are called to do that. And God's given you so many resources. You know, I think we're so privileged to have so much, whether it be gifts, it be money, it be a relationship, it be different kinds of resources, even, even for the fact of spiritual disciplines. You know, whatever God has given you, do it faithfully. And I think the parable of the ten virgins is an excellent example. You know, the, uh, they were asked to watch. The, the, the virgins were asked to watch. And they had an assignment. What was their assignment? Keep watch. Ensure that you light the lamp and be, be ready with the oil. That's what they were asked to do. And they were asked to light the way for the bridegroom. And those who were vigilant, did an excellent job. And that's what we are also called to do, to be morally and spiritually faithful as we are told. So serve God faithfully in your assignment and calling. So do we know what our assignment and calling is? Yes, for those of us who do, amen. For those of us who are searching, who are seeking, Open your hearts to the Lord, and he will show you. He will show you. He has given each one of us something. So serve God faithfully in your assignment and calling. Amen? Are we all awake? Yes? So as soon as we leave from here, we're going to get serving in our assignment and calling. Okay. Fifth one, be vigilant. Be vigilant. You know, we all have a spiritual enemy, and he's likened to a lion, yes. He's likened to a raging, roaring lion who seeks after our destruction. First Peter 5, 8 to 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The days that we live in are warfare. And scripture describes this enemy as a liar, as a deceiver. And one of the very main tactics of the enemy is deception. He deceives us. And we read in scripture that he deceives the unbelievers by binding their eyes to the truth. And in the last days, he deceives or he attempts to deceive even the elect through false Christs, false prophets, false doctrines. So you and I need to be alert, need to be vigilant. This vigilant means being careful to, to look for possible danger 
and difficulties. You know, if you see the deer in the wilderness, and the minute it hears a sound, you know, you can, you can see everything of its physical structure being so alert to look for the enemy. That's the position you and I are called to. Now, apart from deception, the other things he brings is temptation. He brings tests. He brings pressure with the aim of taking us away from our hope in Christ. So don't think that the enemy is happy where you are. And he's going to do all that he can to ensure that he will destroy your testimony, destroy your faith and ministry. So his attempts is to shake your faith and your trust in God. And we are called to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this requires the empowering of God. And how? By putting on God's armor. By putting on God's armor. By being ready, prepared to fight. What is this armor? Truth as your belt, righteousness as your breastplate, the gospel of peace on your feet, salvation as your helmet, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and faith as your shield. We are called to take up the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. God's armor, to be vigilant. All right? The last one is to be assured. Is to be assured. Let me read scripture here for you. Hebrews 9, 27 to 28. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Now the word here, salvation, comes from the word sotera, which means to deliver or to rescue from destruction. It also means to bring back to wholeness. Now there are two truths that you and I can be assured of. And I want each of us to listen very, very carefully here. One of the truths is that you and I can stand in all certainty that Jesus came once and for all to take away all our sins. He finished, he completed his work by dying on the cross. Once and for all. He came, when he came the first time, he came to take away all our sins once and for all. And by having done so, what did Jesus do for us? He redeemed us, he purchased us, and gave us a new spirit. And so, because he's done that, you and I need to be confident in this salvation. Confident that Jesus has dealt with our sin. That's the first truth. The second one is that Jesus is appointed to return. He's going to come back, not to bear sin, but to save all those who are eagerly awaiting him. He comes to save all those who are eagerly awaiting him. And what does it say? He's coming to gather all his people to himself. He comes to bring that final salvation. So this is not, you know, this is exciting for those of us who are believers. It's exciting. It is not an anticipatory fear. You know, it's exciting because our salvation is made complete. So there are, again, there are two things. He came to deal with sin the first time by bearing the sins of many, which means our guilt is removed. There's nothing more that you and I can do to improve on that. Nothing more that you and I can do. And when he comes a second time, 
Remember, we have to face death, but Jesus also faced that for us. Uh, he, he, he faced death and bore that guilt on, on our behalf. But we must face judgment. But Christ comes a second time not to deal with sin, but to save us from that judgment. And this is that double exciting truth. And this is what it means in verse 20 when it says, He shall appear a second time for salvation. So this is not an addition that the death of Christ brings, but it is an application of what his, of what his um, death brings. And this is what we can be assured of. Yes, our sins are forgiven, but when he comes again, he's going to gather us to himself and, and he's taken the judgment away for us. Yes, but we have to give account for what we've done and that's exactly what we are looking at. So be assured that if you trust Christ, he's making a way to come and save you. He saved you and he's making a way to save you. So trust in Jesus and his work on the cross seals our salvation from both sin and judgment. Trust in Jesus and his work on the cross seals our salvation from sin and judgment. So in conclusion, Peter emphasizes this entire thing we've spoke about in one excellent and beautiful verse. First Peter 1 Peter 1.13, he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So our hope and expectancy in the coming of Jesus ought to stir in ourselves uh, to live a life of holiness, to be watchful, to be alert, to be vigilant, to be hopeful, to be faithful, and to be assured. So remember, the return of Jesus is soon, and by our hope in his grace, we will be dressed in readiness awaiting his coming. So I pray that this Christmas, you know, you will say, as John said in Revelations 22:20, 20, come, Lord Jesus. Can we say that again? Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. May I ask the worship team to kindly come up? So as in summary, we looked at how we can stay ready. How are we dressed in readiness? We looked at by being expectant. We said to cultivate an expectant heart by standing on the promise of his coming. We looked at how we need to be hopeful, have that living hope anchored in, on the living hope of Jesus Christ during afflictions. So keeping your hope in times of afflictions anchored and rooted on the living hope of Jesus Christ. We've been asked to be watchful, to be alert, to not be led astray by the things of the world by putting on the mind of Christ. We've been asked to be faithful, to serve God in every one of our assignments and every one of our callings. We've been called to be vigilant, to stay alert against the schemes of the enemy by putting on the armor of God. And lastly, you are called to, to be assured, to trust in Jesus and his work that he finished on the cross because that seals our salvation from sin and judgment. Amen? Amen. Could we kindly stand up to our feet and respond to what we have heard and come to a place of readiness? You know, there may be one or two or three of these things that spoke to your heart that calls you to a place of action, of activity. And God wants us to be in that place.
Lord, we just come before you, Lord, in your presence, awaiting you to come, Lord, as that king for us, Father, that you will take us all one day, Lord, to your fresh new kingdom. And God, even as we are here right now, Lord, we respond to what we've heard. Lord, that we will be expectant. You will give us a heart of yearning. Father, every day, Lord, that we will be expectant to see you. And Lord, that we will be ready, Father, we will be ready to see the face of our Messiah. Lord, that we will be watchful. We will be careful that our hearts and our attention doesn't, doesn't move away. It doesn't lead us astray from things that are not of you. Lord, that you will keep us single focused, Lord, to you. Whatever, Lord, whatever these voices, these attractions, these distractions, Lord, that we will put on the mind of Christ. You will transform us and we will have that single focus at you, Father. That you will keep us faithful to what you've given us. Glory to you, Lord, for all that you've given us. Every discipline, every gift you've given us, every talent, whatever it may be, you have put it inside of us, Lord, for a reason. And we pray, God, that we will serve you faithfully faithfully every day Lord that you will keep us vigilant Lord we will be like that deer who watches out for the schemes of that enemy we will clothe ourselves we will stand on the armor of God and we will keep away from all the schemes of, of the enemy father thank you father for that assurance that you've given us Lord, that you have saved us from our sin. You have saved us from our coming judgment. And Lord, you will come again to gather each of your children to you. And with you, we will rule and reign together in your kingdom. Oh God, what a privilege we have, Father. We thank you. We thank you, Father. Lord, even as we go on, we step on waiting every day for your coming. Keep us, Lord, our eyes focused on you, Father. Thank you. May our lives be without spot. May it be blameless. May it be holy unto you. Holy Spirit, empower us to do that so we can say in boldness, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Just a word for any of us here who made no sense of what I spoke about. I just want to bring to you that the same Jesus who was born 2,000 years ago, who we're going to be celebrating in a few days, that same Jesus was crucified he died, was buried, and resurrected, and lives today. He took our sin, he took our shame, he took our embarrassment. And this same Jesus is going to come back once more as king, with glory, with majesty, for all I to see him. And for all those who believe in him, he will gather to himself. So if you aren't there, or if you don't know how to get there, the Bible says, believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So today, if there is anyone in your own free will and your own choice, would like to be a part of this great party. This wonderful party that we're all going to be part of. This feast that we're all going to be part of. Which is imminent. Which is coming. Which is sure. You can make that personal decision today. By just inviting him into your heart. On your own free will. Your own choice. 
asking the Lord Jesus, Lord, come into my heart. I am a sinner. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. If any of you have made a decision like that today, to accept the Lord into your heart, remember that we are all going to be part of that party. And there is a party happening in heaven right now for that one soul who, must be, who would be saved. So is there anyone who's responded to that call this morning in the audience? Is there anyone? Not to embarrass you, but if you could, would you raise your hands? Okay, I don't see anybody here. If there's anyone on watching us online, if you've made that decision today, we'd encourage you to just write your name and Maybe if you would want someone to pray with you, someone could you, could, you could join in at a call later to be prayed for. But if there's anyone here who's made that choice, you could come to, to me or to Binny and we could pray alongside with you. I also have a word that I'd just like to release. If there's anyone here who's faced a time of shame or embarrassment for something maybe you've done, something you haven't done, but you feel ashamed. The Lord says, He is the glory and the lifter of your head. The glory and the lifter of your head. And He is your shield. So if you've gone through something where you feel ashamed, shameful he's coming to lift you up so go back with that courage with that hope that he is the lifter of your head amen then you have a word Just uh, I want to give a word for anyone who's uh, feeling like uh, uh, like they lack in consistency. Uh, you know, if uh, you've been telling the Lord, Lord, I've uh, uh, this is not uh, working. You know, I, I I keep trying, I keep failing, uh, and I lack consistency. If, if that's your prayer, uh, I feel like the Lord is telling you, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by His Spirit. And I just want to pray for you. Father, I, let's release the work of your spirit to God uh, to anyone who's feeling like this, oh God, who's, um, who needs to build that consistency, oh God, in their lives. Lord, we release the power of your spirit to be steadfast, to give them an undivided heart to God. Amen. Amen, amen. I also saw an image of uh, uh, a person who's, you know, fully crouched and uh, wound in a, um, like a, like, like wool or some string. And I see a hand coming and pulling that out and that person spinning and coming out, coming out of that, uh, um, you know, that tied form. I believe that the Lord is, uh, uh, I don't know if anyone identifies with this image, uh, but I believe the Lord is uh, wanting to release this person um, into a higher calling. Uh, and, and they feel like they've been bound, but I feel like the Lord is releasing you to, uh, to, to move into a higher calling, uh, to take up something uh, bigger, bigger challenges, um, you know, you, there's, there's an element of preparation. You've got to be ready for this. Uh, if there's anyone who, who identifies with this word, um, can I see your hand? Okay, I don't know if it's for anyone online, uh, but I'm just going to pray. Uh, Father, I, I pray, Lord, for this individual. I pray that you, uh, you strengthen them, O oh God. 
by the work of your spirit fill them oh god for their for the purposes that they are going to take up oh lord for the things that they're going to experience oh lord i i pray that you fill them with your purpose fill them with your wisdom fill them with your zeal oh god thank you oh god you increase strength to those who who do not have it oh lord you give power to the weak Oh I just declare your strength you're infilling right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Uh anyone who's uh who needs prayer for their bodies healing healing for their bodies uh let's just declare the the work the finished work of the cross over you. Uh if you uh need healing for your bodies just uh go ahead and and Uh, and 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 receive that just ask the lord to to do a work right now and we're going to pray father we thank you for the finished work of the cross lord that uh, that has taken care of every need that we need for life and godliness and lord i pray for for sick bodies that you would heal them right now in the name of jesus we speak the healing virtue of jesus into sick bodies and we command healing in the name of jesus amen amen worship team if, if there's any anything you'd like to any any of you okay let's uh, let's close father we thank you for your work in our midst we thank you for your presence oh god we thank you for reminding us that you are emmanuel god with us we thank you lord and we thank you for reminding us that you're coming back for us oh lord we look forward lord for your coming we wait with expectant hearts oh lord and we welcome your coming oh god we welcome your rule and your reign in this world we thank you lord in jesus name amen the lord bless you and keep you the lord turn his face towards you the lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace in jesus name amen amen Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources including sermons, sermon notes, publication, please visit abcwo.org. For information on ABC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit abcbiblecollege.org. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the App or Google Play Store.